Well, good morning, beloved. Little known fact that in a recent study done by the Atlantic magazine, who released some data based on the most popular verses that were highlighted or underlined in the Kindle version of the Bible, the passage that we read today from Philippians 4, 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, has become the most popular. A telling phrase for a telling period of our history. In our world of anxiety, of high-paced expectations, this gives us great cause to stop and to reflect and to think, why has this verse become the most popular? Maybe it's no surprise to some of us. Imagine that. By the way, For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Colin Ward. Uh, I'm a teacher. And guess what my anxiety is all about this week? (laughs) Imagine that. Uh, A phrase, uh, as a maritimer, I understand that we drop the I in imagine, imagine, to just simply call it imagine that. So if you hear me say that during the next little while, please give me some grace. This is a sermon about peace. I hope that you will take some time today to self-examine your own imagination as it comes face-to-face with your walk of faith. This is an invitation to us all. Ryan likes that phrase, y'all. This is an invitation for us corporately and individually to, to find that place of peace, of how God illuminates these pathways through a new type of being in this world. One that sees the beauty all around us. Hope that you're called today to engage and imagine the world with all its possibilities. To take those whatevers we've just heard and to see how God illuminates the hues and the flavors of this world in such a way to make it a beautiful place. Hopefully our vision can be nurtured and nourished And that our consciousness today is alternative to the consciousness of the world and the dominant culture around us. Today I invite you to imagine the world differently. Let's pray. Almighty God, we come today looking for a community with you and with each other that desires to know and to connect on this critical threshold of our lives where the real living of each day meets the possibilities of an unfolding kingdom where you are head. Open our ears and our minds that we may hear and we may see and we may witness the beauty of your creation. Give us the grace and the peace to clearly understand and choose a ways of love. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, the cat is out of the bag. Students, going back to class this week. And so a lot of us in this community who are teachers or educational assistants, administrators, we've been back to work for a little while. Now, I'm a teacher in junior high. Um, and with all of those expectations and uh, of, of those first few days of school and getting off to a great start, 
it's always really invigorating to just think of the possibilities of those new minds in those desks with those bright, shiny faces eager to learn after two months of sleeping until noon. Kids, oh, how you see and think of them as keen and, and, and pleasant and, and just happy to be there. Oh, the envisions of the possibility is calling forth into these moments of the synergy where your great lesson meets their enthusiasm. And then you wake up from your dream, and it is the first day of school, and you need to get to work. Uh, it is a incredible... Um, uh, it's incredible. Uh, um, it's an amazing thing to dream and to think of those possibilities. And in all seriousness, there are so many exciting things that happen. There's more mystery to it unfolds throughout those first couple of weeks that, that we get to live in. And it unfolds itself to find out how the year will be and all of the blessings that will come with it. One of the great things I get to tell my students at the beginning of each year is uh, I use that metaphor of being actors in, in God's great drama, or artists, if you will. They're, they're constantly in that idea of shaping and, and building upon that canvas, which is the world and the society in which they are. They, they have the ability to impact and, and to leave an impression. They can use their imagination to envision new possibilities for themselves. And, and in those years, and, and Jeremy will definitely, you know, back me up on this, right? These, these are incredible years to be a part of their lives, yeah. Somewhere along the lines, those dreams of youth disappear. And maybe now I speak to some of us who are older. The imagination sometimes becomes, uh, if you will, less important. Dreams are not necessarily seen as something that is the most essential part of our way of being. In fact, dreams, these sophisticated, imaginative texts that are full of symbolism and, and, and figures and allow for a certain amount of drama to unfold, somewhere along our lives as adults, we forget to pay attention to them. For some reason, other than feeling maybe silly about them or possibly being thought that uh, these are, you know, these are not meant for, uh, for adults, uh, you know, the adult world. The imagination isn't seen as important. But imagination is our capacity to have and to create and to move forward in meaning-making in this world. We are actively involved in receiving and, and shaping the world around us when we engage in our imagination. An engaged learning experience, as any teacher will tell you, is one that is full of curiosity, one that is full of engagement. But naturally, it starts with the pursuit of looking for something more. Now today, what I would love for us to consider is that something more that will bring what Dawn has mentioned and what we've read about, that peace that we seek or that joy that we seek, that more is beauty. An engaged learning experience will bring beauty into it. If the imagination of a student isn't activated by something that, that curiosity longs for, creativity, beauty, 
Student will become bored. Student will check out. Student will find the lesson dull. Our spiritual imagination is the same way. If this humdrum of a life of routine has become dull, will we really engage in something new? Over the past few weeks, we have explored the book of Ephesians. This cosmic work of God that Jeremy started uh, back in July and and finished last week with Joyce uh, is this unfolding of how God, uh, if you all will understand, we need to get along with each other. But it was so much more than that. That complexity of that cosmic work of redemption in our lives leading up to this present moment and beyond should inspire our imagination. It draws us into this both being awestruck observers of God's goodness but active participants in God's great drama. Now that sounds like the work of an artist. We are called to reimagine. We are called to refocus. We are called to reset some of those things frequently as we move forward into these greater themes of living in grace and peace and joy and to experience a flourishing and exuberant life. Joyce, to to mention last week, Joyce invited us into a contemplation in one of her last few sentences of her sermon. And it resonated with me, and I, I do want to come back to it, and some of us will remember it. There is truth and beauty along with social and personal complexities in this thing called Christianity. And Paul's words to the Ephesians leave us to consider how our moral and social responsibilities play themselves out in the world. How do we imagine ourselves being in the world? Well, we know that in Ephesians, Ephesians, and again here in Philippians, we do have some of this unfolding of what Paul is telling those communities gathered there. Here are some things you need to do. After a few weeks, of course, of that in-depth study, and as we look into some of this design that Paul is putting, we experience something called the human condition. The fact that it is hard to do. And that word that Joyce brought to me and I've heard and others, I think Don used it a few weeks ago too, is that complexity. How do we live into that space? And not become confined or trapped by some of those dominant narratives of the world. Paul's letter of Ephesians, and, and, uh, sorry, Philippians, um, you know, they share some of those themes. How are we all living like Christ? How are we seeking that one mind? And that's repeated over in the book of Philippians, like be of one mind. We read it today. It's in other places. Answering the call to live in this in-between space where the appreciation of truth, beauty, grace, peace is both a corporate and individual responsibility. Here's something about the book of Philippians that's a little different than the book of Ephesians, which probably is better compared to the book of Colossians. But the book of Ephesians, written to the persecuted community of faith in Philippi, was mostly Hellenized, uh, but Latinized, sorry, Greeks. Was mostly predominantly Greek-oriented with very little uh, a reference to a Jewish synagogue within its neighborhood, within its community. 
Which means that when Paul wrote the book of Philippians, he wasn't getting hung up on some of the other issues that were brought to communities of faith in the early Christian church about uh, sort of as the Judaizers brought to to them uh, about how to bring the old and the new. He was setting for them that vision for the future. Paul's words were very culturally relevant for the Philippians. They were also very uh, strange to some of those who would read them from a, from a Jewish, early Jewish Christian perspective. So we gather around chapter 4. And we get these three sort of sections, even in these verse 10 verses, we get these three sections. That first verse probably belongs better in chapter 3 as it's a tagline to that. But then we get this address to two women in Philippians who seem to be very good friends of Paul, who seem to probably have been very good friends at one time, but are now not getting along. Paul uses the word in Greek, I urge you, I strongly urge you to be of the same mind of Christ. Throwing in another example of we are on the same path, we are moving in the same direction. So let's get back on the same page. These instructions for Christian life are probably pretty good for all of us and transfer well through the years when we have disagreements with one another. You know, it's a plea, it's an urging to face our interpersonal differences with grace, to be called to engage in a world with a sense of seeing the worth in one another, to seeing the worth, the vision of, of, of what we're trying to do together as a body. I think this week I was encouraged to think of, it's not just the what of what we're trying to do, it's the why of what we're trying to do. So Paul's arrival in this place and his preaching would be most seen as offensive, not because of the contrast of, of, of the huge lifestyle of the Philippians at this time, but more along the lines of trying to draw them into a common purpose behind the why we're doing this. Despite any of the circumstances going around us, the call to be people who rejoice always, to live in peace, is a call to something greater, to see the beauty of the vision. These two leaders, as they vent uh, maybe loudly to, uh, to each other or maybe to the community, may have some cultural rele- relevance to us today as we seek peace with our neighbor. How do we as a Christian body seek to be of the mind of Christ. Paul goes on in the next verses, like I said, those three sections, there's three sections in those ten verses. As he moves past that, that's Paul. The next section is that famous piece that we talked about, the underline. This is how that maybe you should approach life. And we get those incredible words. Be anxious for nothing, but in all ways, with prayer and supplication, bring your request to God. And then later in those verses at the end, 8, 9, and 10, He starts this list of whatevers. And these whatevers are a call for us to see the world differently. Not to put them up as these incredibly unreachable goals or virtues as the Greeks would have known them. But whatever we see, the truth, 
the, the, that honesty, when we see these things, we see beauty. What I would like to encourage us today and think of this is how do we imagine ourselves living into those whatevers? And Eugene Peterson gives us a sort of secondary understanding of, of maybe what we are called to do. And summing it up, Peterson in these verses, he says, I, I'd say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, uh, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, um, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse, Put into practice what you've learned from me, what you've heard and saw and realized. Do that. And God, who makes everything work together, will work you into the most excellent harmonies. Oh. I had a visit to Salt Spring Island the last couple of weeks. And I uh, told uh, some that uh, it was going to be a, a revisiting of a, a chance to get away and, and do a bit of a spiritual escape. I, I picked up a book uh, by John O'Donohue, who some of you may know. Uh, he's a Celtic poet, Celtic philosopher, who passed away uh, some 12 years ago now. Um, but John O'Donohue wrote this book, and uh, the title of it is called The Invisible Embrace Beauty. And as I was reading it, and sort of binge-watching a few of the, the sermons that I had missed over the, uh, over the weeks, it struck me as that common theme that we all have is to live a life that is full, to imagine the possibilities of a full life, but also how hard it is for that. In this book, Beauty, he noted that the Greek word for beauty, kalon, is used, which is used as both not just an aesthetic uh, uh, reference uh, of how beautiful that thing is um, in our common use, but a moral concept, a virtue. It's also rooted in this idea of kalain, which is a word that uh, is, is rooted in the word calling. For many Greeks, they would understand it, it is the call to see beauty in the world. This notion of calling, and in my own curiosity, I started to explore this question. Do you think Paul was speaking to the community of, 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 of Latinized Greeks in Philippi who quite understood that when he said whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever, understood that it was to seek and to search for these things in the world, to imagine how they will make a difference? To me it started to unravel a path. Unravel a path again to this inward and outward journey that we talk about here at first. And John uh, O'Donohue, who's associated with Celtic Christianity, brought me to a place of a few years ago when I had the opportunity to, to spend some time in Iona, Scotland, uh, a Christian a community where uh, many... Uh, Many gather to, to sort of experience the, the, the ebb and flow of, 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 of our spiritual lives, those narratives as, as they're lived out, but in a way that sometimes is sort of pulled away from the, the regular world. Uh, Ryan told me as he wrote the confession today that that season that we read about today, the, 
that's a part of that Celtic tradition, to see the patterns of the world around us. The ebb and flow of the day, getting up to going to bed. The ebb and flow of the tides of Iona, from high to low tides, what you can do, what you can't do. The ebb and flow of the seasons, how we reap in certain seasons and we sow in others. These are not to be missed in our lives about how we come about making meaning and searching for peace. There are times when we have very little control over the circumstances. But we have a God who's not worried about that. Our task is to have a prophetic vision for the world God has set in motion. That prophetic vision which... uh, Walter Brueggemann speaks of is to nurture and, and nourish and invoke some different consciousness about the world and to see it different than the dominant culture around us. To see it through the eyes of beauty so that we may seek peace, reconciliation, unity with one another. Today, as we look at how complex it is to live into that space and not trivialize it by any stretch of the imagination. We ask the questions, what do I need to do to refocus, to rediscover, to reimagine this type of being in the world? What role does joy play in my life? What role does peace play in my life? What role does seeking the truth, the noble, the authentic, the compelling, the beautiful play in my life? And how does it bring about in us a spiritual resilience in the face of uncertain times? How do these unfolding whatevers in this passage make a difference in guiding our heart, our body, our mind, and our soul to establish a new appreciation for God's world? Beauty is not only about the loveliness. It's about the becoming, an emerging fullness It's about grace. It's about elegance. It's about this rich homecoming for the unfolded life. It is our human calling to examine the inner space of our invisible world, which is intertwined with the physical, visible world. Beauty is the antidote to some of the world's most troubling crises. It ennobles the heart and reminds us of the infinity that surrounds us as people of God. Again, back to the Iona community, in my own life, it realigned myself with that spiritual journey, that it is important to do both, to be in the world, but also to be reflective. I guess it's a mystic way of being, if you will, a time on this small Scottish island where sheep roam freely and tourists take tons of pictures. But we come, as people of God, with a necessity for reflection, for slowing down. For years, many of us may have lived our lives Uh, in this walk of faith as, as it is a performative or a prescriptive type of faith. I don't think that's the modus operandi for us. The spiritual appearances that many of us may have been brought up to, to kind of live for is, is not necessarily God glorifying. 
Many have said the most glorifying thing that a human can do to, to glorify God is to live the life God's given us fully. It's not piety or some sort of spiritual uh, uh, religiosity. It's not a glamorous life that we're called to, to try to project. No. It's that symmetry between that inner and outer self. It's that need sometimes to draw back in our own lives, find a balance of inner space. Or as Paul would say, whatever is true, whatever is pure, focus on these things. It is a time for reflection. It is a time for being an artist who imagines the possibilities of the world around us. Maybe it's discovering new rhythms for your day. Maybe it's discovering new patterns, revisiting stale habits, and trying to speak into them a new life. I want to share with you one challenge as we leave today. Think of some of these places where your life may have become uh, less, uh, more, more obstacles might be there than, than, than you prefer. Maybe those places that are cumbersome. Maybe those places that are confusing. I invite you into a week-long reflective process. Now, for some of us, that might be journaling. For some of us, just might be getting quiet. For some of us, that might be discussion. But a week-long process of trying to see the beauty in those things. I would like to invite you into a week-long reflection on just one of those areas. Maybe it's a practice of faith, my prayer life. Maybe it's uh, another practice, uh, uh, why I give money to organizations. But to stop and to think about why you do them. To dwell in them. To think on them. To come to what might be considered best as a threshing floor. To try to separate just the practice, the what, from the why. And for a week to meditate on that. That place that separates these two worlds, that place might be a place where you find new profound beauty in many activities that you might have found stale in these past few years. The question at all the heart of this is where is God in all of the things that we do? The glory of God is the human being fully alive. Some of us will understand this best maybe and in some of our traditions from an old confessional piece, maybe the Heidelberg Confession, what is our comfort in this life? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. This is my challenge for you, is to live in that space, knowing that there is purpose. But the call is to reimagine these things anew. To see the big, beautiful world that is before us. And that prophetic vision again. To nurture and nourish, to invoke a consciousness that is different than the world around us. That 
is what we're called to do. Imagine that.